they established the APO, which we now know if you're military. Oh, they actually like the, yeah, yeah. Yes. oh, wow. So they established this APO system, which oh, makes it easier to, to disseminate mail. Yeah, I think it's like army post office. Yeah. And then when they are done in England, they move on to France. Welcome to Talk With History. I am your host, Scott, here with my wife and historian, Jen. Hello. On this podcast, we give you insights to our history-inspired world travels, YouTube channel journey, and examine history through deeper conversations with the curious, the explorers, and the history lovers out there. Now, Jen, before we start tonight, I need to ask you a question. <laughs> okay. Did you know that the first ever successful rebrand in history was figured out by Frederick the Great in 1756. Only because you told me. That's right. I did tell you because it's in our newsletter. So we go into how this ruler had to outwit his people just to keep them from starving in our most recent Walk With History newsletter. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff and you want a little bit more history, you can visit historynewsletter.com and sign up for free for our monthly roundup of interesting history articles, videos, and podcast recommendations. That's History Newsletter. Dot com. All right, so we went to Washington, D.C. not too long ago, visited yeah. some friends, and we went over, based on the recommendation from one of our listeners, to the National Historic, it's like a national park mm-hmm. place for Mary McLeod Bethune. So who's Mary McLeod Bethune and why did we go over there? Sure. So we went to the Mary McLeod Bethune Council House located at 1318 Vermont Avenue. And we went there because she is just, she's an amazing African-American woman in American history. She did a lot of things that people don't really know. And even when we met with the National Park Service guides there, they're surprised how people don't know who she is and because of all the stuff that she's done. And to be honest, we didn't really know. So we had actually gone over there assuming we were going to learn more about the 6888. Mm -hmm. So the 6888 was brought up on our radar because Tyler Perry is making a movie about the 6888. And the 6888 was an World War II Army Postal Battalion of all African-American women. Of all African-American women. So Tyler Perry's making this movie and so somebody brought it up to us mm-hmm. in a comment said, hey, you guys should go check out, you know, this house that kind of covers the 6888 and it didn't really cover the 6888 at all. It was more about Mary McLeod Bethune who was instrumental in creating that. Yes. So she is, um, she started the head, the National Council of Negro Women. That's right. And it's very interesting how these blocks get put into place for her to be influential during this time. She's born July 10th, 1875. So she's born in the late 1800s. So her parents are former enslaved and they end up being sharecroppers. And she's like the 15th of 17 children. It's crazy. It's crazy. But she is very smart, even as a child. And so there, she's the one that, that they push towards education and she gets a college education. And she goes down to Florida and she starts a school in Daytona for African-American girls. And it's there that she starts her work and her influence. She goes to a woman's rally, like a woman's meeting. And she's alive during the time of women getting the right to vote. That's right. But we talk about this before. Just because women got the right to vote doesn't mean 
all women got the right to vote. Yeah, remind me when, what years those the suffrage movement was. So the suffrage movement is a very long time. It's about 1880s all the way to the right to vote 1920. Okay. But, but during, but women, but African-American women are not part of that conversation. That's right. And that's what she goes to a rally and she gets very upset that African-American women aren't being represented. And she kind of finds a kindred spirit in Eleanor Roosevelt. That's right. Who also feels the same way that you can't be just representing one uh, group of women. When you ask for women getting the right to vote, it needs to be all women getting the right to vote. So they become friends. And so in 1935, when Roosevelt is president, Eleanor is very influential and you would like to have this lady as a advisor for you for African-American women for African-Americans just in general diversity influence representation and so he he does put her on his council that's right and I was very I honestly was pretty surprised by that. FDR is, is given a lot of credit as this president who carries us through World War II and was in office for quite some time. But to have that recommendation to him and think about Eleanor Roosevelt, she really pushed the envelope sometimes. Yeah. Right? You know, we talked about in Tus- with the Tuskegee, Tuskegee Airmen. Airmen. She had the Tuskegee Airmen like fly her around mm-hmm. when nobody there expected or wanted that to happen. She's mm-hmm. like, nope, you're going to take me up. We're going to fly around. So she does that. She probably walks back to gets back to the White House after this rally and tells her husband, she's like, I met someone. She needs to be on your council. And he's probably just like, yes, dear. Yeah, so it's in 1935, she founds she founds and becomes the first president of the National Council of Negro Women. And that's the same year President Roosevelt brings her to Washington as special advisor on minority affairs. And like you to say with Eleanor Roosevelt, she's very influential in all people who are underrepresented. Like she's going to push for women to fly during the war. She pushes for African-American men to fly during the war. And now she's pushing for African-American women to be represented in the war effort as well. And that's where Mary McLeod Bethune is going to be her connection to the six triple eight. That's where it comes in. So that's where it comes in. So when you look up six triple eight DC, which like we did and her house came up, this is the connection because she personally chooses the first 40 African-American women to go into the army during the war. Yeah, so it that was one of the things I thought mm-hmm. that was really cool. It's the 6888, there's a reason that they're making a movie about it. Mm-hmm. There's a reason that Tyler Perry's doing this and that they're getting some pretty big name actresses into this because their story is pretty incredible. But when you trace that further back, we, we are want to do here yes. on Walk With History, Mary McLeod Bethune, she was the one who advocated, hey, no, women need to be a part of this war too. We're not just going to sit here at home and African-American women need to be allowed to serve. And she and she personally handpicked the first 40. So she handpicks the first 40 and think of it a lot like when we did the Tuskegee Airmen. Right. Like <laughs> the reason why these Tuskegee Airmen were so effective as pilots is because they're the best of the best. They're making it so hard for these men to get into the flight program. They have to be college educated. They have to have proven this. They have to be physically fit. Once those men are meeting all those wickets and they go through flight training, they're great pilots because they're the best of the best. And the same thing is true for these 40 women. 
that she's choosing as these first 40 representation into the army for African-American women. These are graduate student level educated women. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up, Katie, because there's a couple really classic pictures. If you look up the six triple eight, six and then three eighths, right? The six, Mm -hmm. six, six, eight, 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 six hundred eighty eighth, six thousand, six thousand eight hundred (laughs) eighty eight postal battalion. So six triple eight. That's the easier way to look it up. But if you look up the six triple eight, there's a couple very classic pictures mm-hmm. that you'll find in black and white. And it's the African-American women standing in formation being inspected by Major Charity Adams. Now, Major Charity Adams, I, if I remember correctly, I read that she was actually like, she had her master's or she was like like more highly educated than the average person that was already coming in. She had her master's, she was studying her master's and it was the school that shall not be named. Ohio State. It was Ohio State. Yeah. <laughs> So she's actually the first African-American woman to receive an army commission. Yeah, which I I just thought was so cool. And she's going to be the commander of the 6888. She's hand-chosen by Mary McLeod. That's what's so cool about it all. So if you look at our video that we made for this, the thumbnail, I tried to bring all the elements out. Mm -hmm. It's hard to do good thumbnails. I wouldn't say I'm the best at them. But this particular one, I show Mary, you know, uh, Major Charity Adams, you know, inspecting, yes. you know, the 6888. And then on the other side is Tyler Perry. Yes. Right? So then and now, and then Mary McLeod Bethune kind of sitting there in the middle because it really was because of this woman and all the other things that we'll talk a little bit more about, but I don't, we want to have time on this podcast yes. to cover everything that she did is incredible. So let's talk a little bit about the 6888. Then we'll circle back about the house. Sure. And what the house, and then we'll talk more about Mary Cloud Bethune's life. Okay. So the six triple eight, just so we have an understanding of what they are, they were brought together because of this huge backlog of mail, service member mail during World War II. 65,000 pieces of mail that never got delivered. Warehouses full of mail in England and France. And so they established the six triple eight in March of 1945. So if you think, the end of the war is coming, although people don't know that. And Charity Adams is selected as their commander in actually February of 45. So she gets these women together. They get over to Birmingham, France in March of 1945. And immediately, they there's 850 of them. They separate mail. They, they get into these warehouses and they start to separate mail into A, B, C, and D levels of where it's going. And the mail has been kept in these warehouses. Some of it has been destroyed by rats, Christmas packages. Some has been there for years. And so they repackage that mail and it's freezing cold and they're wearing like ski clothes and fatigues and they work three rotating eight hour shifts, seven days a week. And what they were told was going to take them six months, it took them three months. Yep. And they got all that mail out and delivered. They established the APO which we now know if you're military. Oh, they actually like the, yeah, yeah. Yes. oh wow. So they established this APO system, which oh, makes it easier to, to disseminate mail. I think it's like army post office. Yeah. Something. And then when they are done in England, they move on to France to another, again, warehouse full of mail, told it's going to take them six months to do, takes them three months to do. And they're able to disseminate this mail quickly and effectively. And what's interesting about the 6888, which I wanted to say too, is they're a very self-contained battalion. They were. There's no male counterpart. Usually there's a lot of male counterpart when you have a female battalion. But they did all the pieces of They it. did all the pieces. They were their own MPs, their own chaplains, 
their own MWR, so their own PAO. So they're doing their own dances and their own mess cooks. They're very self-contained battalion. So you think this is all African-American women who are very much a self-contained army unit. And what this does is with all this racism and people who are very skeptical of their ability, it shows how effective they are and just how well oiled their machine is to get this all done. And I know you think maybe male, well, what's the significance of male? Yes, I got a good thing going And my baby's stuck on me We have talked about this before as service members. And people who fought in World War II and war in general, you don't know the end of your time. Yeah. You're being drafted to war. And the end of your time is you fight till you win or you fight until you're killed. So that's basically what happens. And so people are in fighting for years. And so when they're getting packages in mail... I always say you're reminded of what you're fighting for. And it's really your only tie to home. Mm-hmm. Right? These folks weren't getting phone calls out on the front lines, no. right? Not with everything that was going no. on. So mail was the way of communication. Even when we were in the Navy, right, on a ship, mm-hmm. that was like one of the best things. I know. It was like days of the mail was coming in and you had, you know, that care package that your mom put together and just sent you a bunch of junk food and magazines. DVDs back in the day. And that was so great. That was such a spirit lifter. It was so great. And people would send you cards and pictures and just all those things that you would pass around and show each other because your package lifts up other people as well. And so for them to get all of this stuff out, and like I said, even the Christmas packages that had been destroyed, they repackaged and make sure they still got to the service members. So... What they did for morale is can't, can't be measured. And I think that's very important to bring up. So that's about the 6888. So when you see the show, just the movie, just remember it's very self-contained. They're going to start the APO system. They get out there in March in 1945. They stay out there for about a year. It's disbanded in March of 1946. Roosevelt wanted to bring her up to be on his council for diversity affairs. And so she moves into that house that is the house for the National Park Service yeah, in 1943. Okay. And we, I had asked the questions, well, how, what kind of neighborhood was this? Because this is a nice Victorian house. And he's, oh yeah, people don't really like her here. She had a hard time because it's a nice area of D.C. But she lived there for six years. And that house was the headquarters of the council for Negro women. Yep. And it's it'll stay the headquarters until 1966. Yeah, so even after, I think she passes in the 50s? She passes 55. May 18th, 1955. But it, but it, it's, it stays a headquarters. And, and later on, it's actually used for some pretty significant events. Yes. I, I know it, in 1966, it's, it stays the headquarters for the National Council of um, Negro women, but it's used to help plan the march on DC. Yeah, that was cool. And so when you think of the march on DC, I'm talking about Martin Luther King yeah. and the I Have a Dream speech. So they use this house. So if you want to visit this house, and the table there is where they say people met and they talked about them everything. They discussed the music 
and the other speeches that'll happen and the other events that they'll yeah, do. All the logistics that all go logistics. into planning a big march like that. It's not, people just don't show up for something like that. Like yes. they actually had to plan it they in advance. So that the march on Washington was planned in the house. Yeah. So the house was also, it had a chandelier from the White House. That's cool. That she received from Truman, I believe. Yep. And then if you go upstairs, you see her bedroom and her office. And you see like a big working room because she ran the council there. And then on the third floor, it was basically a safe house. Yeah, they, they wasn't open to it the public. It wasn't open for the public. That's where the National Park Service offices are. But I found it so interesting. She ran a safe house for African-American women. They could come anytime and stay there. And she kept no record of who stayed. And that's why the National Park Service can't tell you whoever stayed there. But there were always women there and able to use it to get back on their feet or to get away from abusive relationships, whatever they needed, that was available to them. The more I read about Mary McLeod Bethune, was I was just like I just my jaw kept dropping further and further and closer to the floor each time I read more about her. I mean, she was so influential and did so much. She even established what's now a pretty well-established college in Florida. Yeah. And I uh, think you even pointed out that she, in it's either in Congress or in the, in the congressional buildings, in the Capitol buildings, there's two statues that represent each state. Yes. And she... Be- they made her one of the statues. For Florida. For Florida. Yes, her and her in her college robe and, yep. and cap. But she did, so when I said in 1904 how she established that school for girls in Daytona, Bethune-Cookman College. And at the time, this is in Jacksonville. And the school became accredited and it officially changed its name to Bethune-Cookman College. And Bethune became the first African-American woman to serve as a college president. Yeah, she did so many firsts and she pushed the envelope to start so many firsts. Mm -hmm. It really was incredible. Talk about someone who was born, you know, not long after the Civil War in 1875 and then living right up to really the kind of heart of the civil rights movement right up to it. And she was this kind of key pivotal figure that was around for all these events and established colleges and schools and was the first African-American college president. Yes. And was the first one to get African-American women into the armed services and was the first one to select. It was just absolutely incredible. It's incredible. I was blown away. So after she's done in D.C. and she retires from that being the president of the Council of Negro Women, she goes back to Florida and she she retires basically at the college, becomes president of that college. And then she spends the remainder of her life there at her home and basically her retreat. And it's now known as the Mary Bethune Foundational National Historic Landmark. And that's where she's buried as well. Yeah, it was, it's the, you know, we're making a big deal about her because I think she is a big deal. But it's funny because the site in D.C., this national park site, it's not very well developed. No, and yeah, it, we were very surprised. And even needs the, more recognition. I'll call them the park rangers that were working there. Yeah. They even said like, "Hey, please come in and film." And this site, it's small, but it's right in the heart of DC. It's not hard to get to. It's not hard to get to, and I think it's such a big part of American history. Plus, it's a great place for research because the National Council of Negro Women contains the National Archives for Black Women's History, and it's the only institution in the United States solely dedicated to that purpose. 
That's right. Uh, so that is all housed there. So that's another thing, the archive, the research that you can do. And I felt the being just being in that room and they had some artifacts in there and they were going to put more stuff in there. But you're around her artifacts. She has a cane given to her by Roosevelt. Like you're around yeah. the artifacts there in that house. So it's very cool to visit. It's free to visit. It's National Park Service. Even if you want to see the table where they plan the March on Washington. But when the movie comes out, I think people will want to know more connection to the building blocks to put that battalion in place to do the amazing thing they did during World War II. And she is the cornerstone. And I saw on, I was trying to pull information on who's going to be in this movie for Six Trip Late. I thought I saw Oprah was supposed to be one of the cast members. And she would be the perfect person to play Mary McLeod Bethune. She would. She's not... Sorry, Oprah. Um, <laughs> if you're ever watching this, I don't think you're at the point where you're going to be playing someone who's serving overseas as part of this World War II unit. But she she would most likely. She would be great it, to be on the council choosing the women to be the first. A hundred percent. She could be Mary McLeod Bethune. Very excited to see the Six Trip Late movie. I think it's supposed to be a Netflix movie coming out. Um, I'm not sure when. I think they've only recently started filming it. I hope you enjoyed our exploration of the remarkable life and enduring impact of Mary McLeod Bethune. Born during a time of racial segregation, Bethune defied the odds and became a trailblazing educator, political leader, and civil rights activist. Bethune's influence extended beyond her institution as she advised multiple U.S. presidents on minority affairs and became a powerful voice for equality and justice with just a small part of her impact resulting in the first African-American women serving in the U.S. Army during World War II. She established the National Council of Negro Women, leaving an indelible mark on the civil rights movement. Mary McLeod Bethune's legacy inspires us to challenge barriers, fight for equal opportunities, and strive for a better future. So join us next time as we continue exploring the lives of more remarkable individuals who have shaped our world. And thank you for listening to the Talk With History podcast. If you've ever wondered if there was a way to support this show, you can now do that over at talkwithhistory.com support. You can leave a one-time tip with a comment on your favorite episode or support with a couple bucks a month. And we will absolutely give some podcast shout outs to our supporters out there. Just head over to talkwithhistory.com to show your support today. We rely on you, our community to grow. And we appreciate you all every day. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you.